Hey, it's Pastor Mike. A really small step that could be a really big blessing to our ministry and to the kingdom of God is you taking just a second to rate and review this podcast. You probably know how algorithms work. More people get to hear about this podcast and most importantly, hear about Jesus when you do. So thanks for helping us out and may God bless you today. I once watched George Washington cry. Now, just saying it that way, you're thinking that that's not possible. But let me explain. I was a I was a little kid, and I watched a family friend of ours take out a quarter. And sure enough, right in front of my eyes, he rubbed it on his arm, and George Washington cried. I kid you not, droplets were hitting the floor. And of course, even as a little kid, as gullible as I was, as all children are to a certain degree, I still asked. How did that happen? What did you do? Because even as a gullible child, I still found that hard to believe. And not just because it was George Washington in a quarter, but because seemingly out of nowhere, there were tears. There was water. Well, do you know what this family friend did? This family friend had put a paper towel that he had soaked behind his ear. So as he made sure to face me, I couldn't see that. And so he took the quarter and rubbed it on his arm as he was gathering water up here. Good old distraction technique. And then he took the water as he flickered the quarter in my face and he put it on the quarter and then kind of wrung it out so George Washington would would cry. He made a quarter cry. And he got me. But I knew even as a kid that when you look at something that's really, really hard to explain and you're looking for a lot more proof, we find it hard to believe even when we're seeing it. And then in life, you collide with things that you can't even see. It's especially pertinent when we think about Easter. If only Jesus, who rose from the grave, could appear to us to show us his hands inside in the flesh, even give us a high five so that we could finally see. Because once you see, then things are a lot easier to believe. That's very important when we think about all of the blessings that Easter gives us. Because for all that we know about Easter, one thing we don't have, we don't have visible evidence right in front of us per se. And I say per se because that's kind of how we function today, right? If if we want to learn about a story and actually believe what happened, we want to see the video. We want to see the post. We want to see the picture. We want to make sure that it wasn't edited or clipped. We want to see the photo before the Photoshopper got their hands and their magic wand on it. When we want to believe things that we weren't there for, we want to see as much visible evidence as possible. And so it's easy for us to assume or easy for some to assume that since we weren't there to see the resurrection, therefore it's hard for us to believe it. That's exactly where this man was I'd like to talk to you about. A man by the name of Thomas. Now, we don't even just call him Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas. And you want to know why? That first Easter Sunday, Jesus appeared to ten disciples. Judas was gone, Thomas wasn't there. He appeared to the other 10, and when Thomas came back, the other disciples said, we saw him, and Thomas says, "Mm -mm, not going to believe it, not unless I see it with my own eyes. I want to be able to see the nail marks in his hands and where the spear went into his side, and unless and until I see it, I won't believe it. And we can relate. We can give Thomas a bad name for doubting what he didn't see, but then again, who hasn't said or thought that at times? But you know what's really important to think 
about is the ramifications of doubt. It's important to think about how we function when we are encouraged to doubt things that we can't see. And that's very true for our lives in this world today. To be skeptical and maybe even cynical, doubtful about people and places and events. And we are very much encouraged by many worldviews when you approach someone new or something new or something that sounds strange to be, to be wary and doubtful of it. But a lot of that goes unchecked. In other words, think about the logical flip side of that coin. Since we are encouraged to be wary and even doubtful of others, what makes us so sure that we should be? Healthy skepticism is one thing, but unwarranted and unbridled skepticism is another. In other words, what if we were encouraged to doubt the reason for our doubts? What is it that makes us so skeptical? What type of evidence might we be looking for? What type of proof would we want to see? If we ask those kinds of questions, then might I suggest we would find that just as there are so many other historical events that we weren't there to see, but we wholeheartedly believe, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is most certainly up to the task to meet, if not exceed, those events as well. In addition, think about one other ramification. Not only do doubts often go unchecked, but doubts also leave us with a less than hopeful reality. I mean, what happens when you're so doubtful and, and skeptical of whatever it is that people, even those closest to you, might suggest? That's what happened with Thomas. Thomas was left with a whole week of his friends telling him that Jesus rose from the dead. It wasn't until a week later, that next Sunday, after Easter Sunday, that Jesus finally appeared to Thomas. So what did that leave Thomas in that whole time? It led him to wrestle with his doubts, That's wrestle with his fears, and God allows us to wrestle with our doubts and our fears, and that's natural to our faith. I, I can't think of anyone who ever had faith and never had a single doubt. Doubt naturally accompanies and even attacks our faith at times. And it's okay to ask questions about that, but to be stuck with those questions and no answers? Look no farther than the way that Jesus responds. He appears to Thomas and gives him something quite profound. First words out of his mouth, peace. Peace. And he calls Thomas over to himself and he says, stop doubting and believe. Look at my hands and look at my side. God does not desire that we would be lost in the darkness of our doubts, to be stuck with our skepticism and our cynicism. He knows that that's not a, a bright place for us to be. And so he has an answer. And that answer is to draw close to us through what? Through evidences, yes, but also through his words of peace. What are we left with if all we have are doubts about everything that Jesus said and did? And those doubts may arise, everyone has them, but God is not without giving answers. And his answers to the affirmative are that Jesus most certainly died to pay for our guilt and rose from the grave to give us peace that is unparalleled. It will never run out. But that peace is not only meant for some day in eternity, it's meant for the here and now. Yes, Jesus has an answer to our doubts. Look no farther than his words of promise. He gives us forgiveness, the answer to our worries and our skepticism. That was true as he drew close to Thomas. It is true for us. 
No matter what the doubts might be, there are answers. But no matter what the hopelessness might be, there is peace. Look no farther than the empty tomb to give you everything that you need for today and yes, tomorrow.